0: That theme, let me just back up a little bit here. It's not very often we get people sitting in the front row, you know what I mean? (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, So our scripture reading for today uh, comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, and we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 8. This is the word of the Lord. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For you have forsaken the ways of your people, O house of Jacob. Indeed, they are full of diviners from the east and soothsayers like the Philistines. And they clasp their hands with foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I just want life to be good again. I just want life to be good again. That's all I want. I just want life to be good again. Does that touch a nerve within your soul? That's what author uh, John Eldritch, a Christian counselor and um, author, writes in his book, Resilient, Restoring Your Soul during these turbulent times. It's an excellent book. And he says that humans have always had this desire within our hearts for life to be good again. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, you know, where Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. They were experiencing perfect union with God. And because they chose to do things their own way and they wanted to seek power for themselves, God cast them out as a consequence. And ever since then, humans have been striving to get that oneness back with God. It's Have you ever heard someone say like a a God-sized hole in your heart, right? It's just this yearning, this longing that we experience from the earliest days of being able to make sense of life, of something just isn't quite right. And for the longest time, our parents fill that need, hopefully, right? Giving us our every need and helping us to feel contentment and peace. But then the rest of life, we go through it just wanting life to be good again, and especially after difficult times like the pandemic. Does anybody find themselves saying, well, before the pandemic, <laughs> then the pandemic hit or, you know, whatever, some of those things over the last couple of years have really disrupted those things. And so this desire that's always been there within our heart, this longing for things to be good again, this longing for peace and contentment was extremely disrupted by the pandemic. And now we're like hypersensitive. To that urge within our hearts. And we're trying, this is the difficulty, we're trying to get that back in all kinds of different ways. Home improvement projects are way, way up. Vacations are way, way up. People are buying more and more and more stuff. And what this author suggests, and I'm borrowing his point for today, is that all those changes in how we operate as a society in our, in our day-to-day lives are because of this foundational longing for things to be good again and there's a real sense of hope there that you know if we just got that if we we hope that if if we got this thing or we did this activity or we had more time with our family or we went more on a vacation or whatever we hope that we would feel content that we would for, for once and maybe in a long time feel at peace like we had everything that we needed this longing for life to be good again is really A sense of hope. Wondering what do we put our hope towards. So I like the scripture today because it is rich with hope. A future hope based on the future action of God. There's a vision of all people across the world. All people in all nations coming to God's temple, to God's holy place. All people are welcome there. And there's also a vision of a person. The perfect teacher and the perfect judge. And there's a vision of a response, learning from this person, God's messenger, God's faithful one, to walk in his ways, to walk in the light of his radiance, his perfection, his holiness. And this is the source of hope, that all people would come together with a sense of peace, that this person, this perfect teacher and judge would radiate goodness and grace and light and that we could all walk in His ways, learn from Him, and become like Him. So there's two words that stand out in this text. It's the word of the Lord. It's a phrase, rather. Out of Zion shall come instruction in the word of the Lord. And then later, the invitation, let us walk in the light of the world. And in John's Gospel, he's the first one to combine these two things. This is pretty amazing. When he talks about Jesus coming to the world, this is uh, a text that we would normally read on Christmas Day. "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God." And the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people." Did you catch that? So John is saying that this prophecy has now been fulfilled in the person of Jesus. He is the perfect teacher. He is the perfect judge. He is the light of the world. And so what we learn is that hope for God's people in the world comes from learning from Jesus with one another and letting our hearts be transformed to become like Him. So peace, contentment, And life being good again comes from walking in the ways of the Lord and the path of our Lord together. I kind of like it like this. Jesus says uh, in John chapter 8, verse 12. See this? There's a picture of Jesus. And then there's a picture of a young man. He's got his Bible in his hand. And you probably can't see this. Let me walk around a little bit. See what's going on in the... Everything around there. It's just party, you know? It's, it's like literally a college party. And you see, this is like the vision that we have of walking in the light of the Lord, right? Like Jesus is just this, some radiant figure, some transcendent being. And then we are going to someday see that glorious light and we're just going to stay right there camped out in it, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what this kind of picture represents. I like this picture a lot. This is mine. It was given to me uh, June second, nineteen ninety six. My confirmation. You know what happened after this? I didn't go to church anymore. <laughs> I love my mom. God bless her for giving this to me. She even wrote on it, confirmation. God bless you. Love mom and dad. That's really nice. But see, see, this really didn't help me when I went out to college. Actually, it didn't help me the rest of high school as I. Fell into uh, abusing alcohol and other substances. Failed out of college twice. I mean, this was hanging on my wall in college. How ironic was that? I was like, no way, I'm going to join these other guys out here. That's way more fun. But there's a problem here with this kind of vision for walking in the light of God. Can you think of what the problems might be? Well, one major problem is that this dude is alone. alone. This dude is all by himself. And that's not what we see in the biblical text of how we're supposed to walk in the light of God not once, not ever. I mean, God's messengers would go up the mountain and hear a special message from God, but then they would always come back to community. There was no such thing as knowing the right things about God and then just doing my own faith my own way. That's not. I mean, that's represented in other religions, but not in the Christian faith. I think that's part of the reason that I got into trouble was because I wasn't walking with anybody. I wasn't seeing examples and being encouraged by others of how, like how is the Holy Spirit working in your life? And how can I encourage others then if I'm feeling pretty strong in my faith? So that's one problem in the text. Is that, well, in, in life, in that vision. Is that we cannot walk this faith this journey alone it's really hard and the other problem at least in this text from Isaiah is that God's people aren't walking in the ways of the Lord instead they've turned to idols if you notice this invitation this really is an invitation is to God's people first after this future this vision of what's going to happen in the future Isaiah says oh come house of Jacob which at that time was God's people Oh, come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The message was not to all the heathens who didn't know God and who were, who were sinning so terribly. This message of a future hope, this invitation was first to God's people. Notice, not alone. Let us, let us walk together. Not saying, you, Larry Norman, you walk in the light of the Lord. Not me. I'm going to be hanging out over here. No, Larry, come with me. Let's walk this journey of faith together. He's embarrassed now. I knew it. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, Larry. (laughs) So the invitation is, is first plural for more than one person. And it's also an invitation to turn away from the other things that keep us walking in darkness, which is really our idols. So I want to read this part of the text, reread it again, but it's from a version called The Message. So if you're kind of unfamiliar with the Bible or it feels intimidating, the message is like really a paraphrase. It's, it's a pastor who took the time to translate the Bible into everyday language. It's really good. You'll see what I'm saying here in a second. So this is um, verses... 7 or so on. He doesn't, he doesn't even have the, the verses. He says, Come, family of Jacob... Come, God's people. Let's live in the light of God. We're not doing that. Let's live in the light of God. God, you've walked out on your family, Jacob, because the world is full of hokey religion, Philistine witchcraft and pagan hocus-pocus, a world rolling in wealth, stuffed with things, no end to its machines and its gadgets. Does that sound... <laughs> oh, man... <laughs> Stuffed with things, no end to its machines and its gadgets. And gods, gods of lowercase gods, gods of all sorts and sizes. These people make their own gods and worship what they make. Hmm. So two things keep us from walking in the light. One is trying to do it alone. And two are idols. Idols tell us that life will be good again with more of them life will be good again with more of our idols. So I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what your idols are, but you could probably think of some. If I had more of that, what's presented here, more wealth, more power, more education. If I had more of that, then that feeling within my heart, that wanting contentment and peace, that that desire for life to be good again, that will happen if I just keep on keeping on and pursue those things. But that's a lie. Idols also scatter us rather than bring us together. Because if my idol is to know everything, well, I don't need you. (laughs) Why would I need you? I can just sit on my computer at home. I don't even have to leave the house anymore. I don't need you. But that's not how we were created either, was it? That's a lie. Idols scatter us rather than bring us together. And idols keep us wanting more and more. None of the idols that we pursue satisfy our souls in the way that God wants for us. Walking in the light of Christ and learning from Jesus, walking in his ways, that's what leads to life being good again. Because see if you believe this, we were created we were created for meaningful relationship with other people in community. I'm sorry, not through technology. I'm sure God thinks that that's pretty cool. But meaningful relationship with other people in community. Like we were created to look into each other's eyes and get a sense of trust and closeness. We call it intimacy. That's what we were created for. And we were also created for union with, for abiding with God of having our true contentment come out of knowing that we are with God and we are encouraged, knowing that's true, by spending time with one another and receiving grace from God through, through you. That's how we were created. And lastly, I don't know if you find this to be true, we feel most alive when we are living in a Christ-like way. We feel most alive letting our hearts be changed through learning about Jesus and then acting like Him. So, things like self sacrifice, humility, speaking truth, working for justice, giving unconditional love and forgiveness and mercy, granting compassion. We feel most alive when we live this way. If you don't believe me, just watch what happens the next time a natural disaster comes or some horrific thing that, you know, we probably don't have to wait long, right? The best of humanity always comes after those moments. And it's because it activates within us an ability to separate out all the junk, all the stuff that's not important and to focus on what's most important. Meaningful connection with other people. Pouring ourselves out in the way that Christ poured Himself out for us. That's what we were created for and that's what happens when bad things happen in our lives. I have a friend who lives in Florida. A classmate. He's not a classmate anymore. I graduated. (laughs) I graduated. And he, so his house was damaged in hurt, that bad hurricane that passed through and his family's house was basically destroyed. And he emailed me and some of my other classmates right after that and said, it's amazing that things are so bad here, but I've never felt more alive. We can see the, the beauty of the stars and we're connecting as a family in ways that uh, we haven't in a long, long time. And he actually even had... Uh, the last time I talked to him, he said, well, now there's nine of us in the house because his family, his sister and her family had to come and live in his house because their house was so badly damaged. And I said, well, that sounds kind of crazy. And he said, actually, it's awesome. Sure, it's kind of crazy at times, but it's awesome. See, because we were created for meaningful connection with other people. True hope for life to be good again, friends, comes from following Jesus together because when we do so we're placing our hope not just in some outcome but in the transformational power of God within our hearts first and then we can invite other people into that come on come and walk with me look at what God is doing in my heart if you don't believe can't you tell the difference we have to first invite God the light of God into our hearts and living in this way we can sense a growing, gradual contentment, peace, meaning, and purpose that God gives us together. So, friends, this Advent, let's ask God to give us the willingness and courage, because that's what it really takes the willingness and the courage and the encouragement to walk in the light. Let's ask Jesus to reveal our idols to us. Because oftentimes our idols keep us away from one another so that we can then begin to consider turning away from them slowly. I'm telling you, change takes a long, long, long time. And it just starts with the willingness to just explore, to just be curious. I heard this just uh, the other night curiosity is stronger than fear. And it's true. <laughs> But we have to be curious about what's happening within us if we have any hope for God to change us. So what are you hoping for? I wonder that today. What are you hoping for? What are you turning to for that, to fulfill that sensation of life being good again? And is that pursuit right now, just be honest with yourself, is that pursuit bringing you closer to God and to others? And how slowly could you maybe turn away from those things and just invite God a little bit more fully into your heart? And maybe the way of inviting God more fully into your heart is inviting other people into your heart and life. So this fall season, God has been teaching me and showing me that I've been hoping, this is embarrassing, I've been hoping as a pastor and as a person, as a preacher, as a father, I've been hoping in my ability to learn. And it creates this anxiety of, like, well, now I have to read all these books. I have to listen to all these podcasts. I have to create this time in my schedule so that I can learn all these things. So that then, this is the other thing I've been hoping in, that I would be a successful pastor and preacher. That I'd be a successful father. That my kids would love me. That Gina would think I'm the best husband ever. She does think that, by the way. <laughs> She's not here. <laughs> I've been hoping in all these different things. And it just creates this just never enough sensation within me. And it pushes me away from other people because if I think that I have to know everything to be a good pastor, or if I have to have the answers to your questions, which lots of people have questions about faith right now and God, then you know what it does for me? It pushes me away because I say, well, I better hide. That's my idol. I want to keep myself safe because they might ask me something that I don't know and I don't really want to do that. Now, I'm not afraid to say I don't know, but I'm just being honest with you that those are the things that I notice happening within my heart. Those are the things that I secretly am saying I'm longing for life to be good again, to feel complete, to feel whole, to feel content. And what I've discovered in the last like, month or so is that the true hope is found in this process of surrender. Surrender of just recognizing when I'm really striving for anything else but God and saying, okay God, I give that to you. I just, I give it to you. Just help me to see how I can be more faithful today. Just, I give that to you. I don't need that. I don't need to have that outcome be the way that I think I need it to be. I just say, okay God, not my will, but yours be done. That's Surrender. That's, friends, that's walking in the light. That's like this. But I also realize I have to come out of isolation. I can't be doing this, walking in the light by myself. Like this picture tries to tell us that's the Christian way. That is not. Friends, this is my invitation to you. Let's walk in the light of the Lord. Together. Let's learn from Him. Let's learn from Jesus together and become like Him. Let's say it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to be upset sometimes. It's okay to have things that are hard to share. But we can bring all of that to Jesus and we can trust one another and through the transformation that happens within us, we can become the light of the world. We can become a source of hope for others. For life to be good again, Amen. Let's just take.